Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 236 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 236 stolen bases for the 1900 New York Giants. Who was your favorite player on the 1900 New York Giants? Mm, well, um, if it wasn't for that boner that Merkel made, he'd still be my favorite. Um, you, you have to like Fred Snodgrass. I think that we're a little too early for High yeah. Pockets Kelly. Uh, High Pockets Kelly, by the way, original member of the Millbury City Council. It's true. You can look it up. That's such um, a good tidbit. What else? I'm not sure what else. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I'd have to go with. Um, it was Heine Manoush on one of those teams? No, that's wrong team. That's Washington. All these names that you're talking about, uh, it, this is a little bit too early before that. You have a 19 year old Christy Mathewson, um, but the correct answer is Charlie Frisbee. Charlie Frisbee is your favorite player on the 1900 Giants. Whose great, great, great grandson, Matt Frisbee, is still toiling in the Giants minor league system. Last time I checked. <laughs> 236 stolen bases for that team. 23 home runs. Uh, the game's changed a little bit, I'd say, since then. Um, but we're not here to talk about the 1900 Giants. We're here to talk about the what year 2023 Giants. Uh, they're They're rolling. They are not uh, just talking wild card these days. They are in the thick of the NL West, a very talented NL West, as it turns out. Uh, and they're they're doing some good baseball things. The crowds at the home games is engaged and excited for this team. I think the rookie influx has helped. The winning has helped. Talk about the 2023 Giants, Andy. Um, well, uh, let's see. What did you leave out? Because I think you covered a lot of it. Um, I, I was impressed with the crowds. I really was. Because we saw it early on where they were announcing 20,000 and X. And it was like, oh, come on. You, you, you refuse to announce a crowd of less than 20,000. And we know that there's a lot fewer than 20,000 in the ballpark. And it was, you wondered. I mean, it was, uh, you wondered what the, 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 the old maxim was, well, winning fixes everything. Well, it didn't. It didn't fix everything. They, they won 107 games in 2021. And we get a year, you know, further out from the pandemic in 2022. And you think that, okay, here come the crowds. And, and they weren't there. You know, it's, uh, and I know that there was still obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons for that, a lot of other factors for that. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's just encouraging to see people responding to a team that's compelling and, uh, and that's winning and that, uh, um, has a lot of uh, youthful vim and vigor. And, and like you said, you know, they, they, they just finished a run of playing teams within their division. If you go back to the, the Rockies series, over 19 games that they've played, uh, 
12, uh, I think 13 of them have been against NL West teams. They played each of the NL West opponents, and they went 11-2 and two against them. Um, and I know they didn't catch the Dodgers maybe at their most robust, but uh, this is also, I think, a team that has maybe surprised a few people by how well they've played against, you know, good teams. And, you know, I think you wrote a piece earlier that was sort of like, well, maybe this is who the Giants are when they lose the series to the Nationals or to the Tigers or to the Marlins, who we now know to be good, or um, or the uh, Royals, you know, in the first homestand of the year. Maybe maybe they're just one of those teams. And and the, the only problem is they, they've also been better than the good teams that they've played. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, 500 or better record, uh, the Giants are just behind the Rays and the Braves for the best winning percentage against teams that are 500 or better. They're 24 and 17. So um, I think that tells you that you know, this is legitimately a good baseball team. Yeah, there was a this run of how they played at home where they dropped a series against the Pirates and then they dropped a series against the Orioles. And you thought, oh boy, you know, what's going on here? Went to Colorado, swept the series there in Coors Field, but then came back and dropped a series to the Cubs. So when they swept the Cardinals, it was easy to say, okay, yeah, the Cardinals are in a really bad way. I'm not reading too much into that. But then you looked at the Dodgers series as something of a test. Well, they passed that test uh, with flying colors and then they come home, okay. Okay, let's do it at home against divisional opponents you'll have to be butting heads with all year in the standings. They passed that test against the Padres. Even though they dropped the series finale, they passed that test against the Diamondbacks. So you now have in this winning streak, it's not just that they've been winning, it's that they've been passing these tests that you had set up in your mind because you needed to see something. If you're going to get convinced that this team can compete against the Dodgers and the Padres and the Diamondbacks for the division title, you needed to see it head to head. And that's what's been most impressive is that you've seen it head-to-head and the Giants look like they can go toe-to-toe with those teams all season. Yeah, and I think there are some teams that maybe overachieve and then they they have an injury or two and then the wheels fall off just kind of quickly. And I mean, that's the other thing if you're looking for sort of reasons to be optimistic is there's a lot of wheels that have fallen off uh, this uh, this car, and and they're still going. I mean, they don't have Mike Yastrzemski. They they don't have Mitch Haniger for probably the season. Uh, they're missing a lot of pretty key pieces in their bullpen, including Luke Jackson, who became a, a pretty high leverage guy from the moment he returned, and Scott Alexander, and now they're missing their opener, John Brevia, who's been really valuable to their bullpen. And, you know, they, they keep going. They're down to three starters at different junctures, and, and Cobb is out, and then Wood is out, and now they get Stripling back, and, and we'll see, you know, just how much progress he was able to make. But, you know, depth has been legitimately tested. And um, I think a lot of that is the the fact that they were able to supplement from the farm system. But a lot of it also is just the other depth that they've, they've curated. And um, and it's it's helped them not only stay on the road, but but really kind of, you know, put the I, I hate extending these metaphors, put the, the, <laughs> the pedal to the metal, I guess. <laughs> the pedal to the metal. I will give myself a, a pass for making a very, very um, extended uh, car metaphor because well, uh, let's just say <laughs> yesterday was not a good day to try to get to uh, Toronto or anywhere in the greater Ontario, Canada area because of thunderstorms. Air Canada canceled like all of their flights out of Tor- Toronto. Um, so uh, I was uh, connecting through Newark and they uh, rebooked me. I found out literally as my plane was taking off from SFO that my connecting flight was canceled. And uh so, so then I get uh, an email. I got the Wi-Fi on board uh, my first flight. And it says, good news, we've rebooked you. It's a flight that leaves at 7.30. It connects in Raleigh-Durham, and it arrives at 1. And I'm thinking, 
Well, that's weird, Raleigh Durham, but oh well, if I, if I can get out that night, I'll take it. And then I realize it wasn't that night. It wasn't even the next morning. It wasn't even the next night. It was Wednesday morning. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's missing basically the entire series. So, um, so yeah, I uh, rented a car. I rented a car and I drove it. I drove it for nine hours, white knuckle, through a couple of nasty uh, thunderstorm cells Oof. and uh, and saw, saw a lot of northern Pennsylvania and uh, uh, drove through Buffalo for the first time, went across the Peace Bridge and got to my hotel around four in the morning, but I'm here. Oh man, I did. I just got off a podcast with Mark Carrig. I think you guys were in the Newark airport at the same time. He was trying to get to Nashville, uh, and his flight was banged. And he was, you know, he uh, he gets madder, I think, than you do about this stuff. Uh, I'm not saying that you were happy, but it, he's more amusingly angry. Uh, but yeah, the weather is—it's you know—it's great here in the Bay Area. It's pretty nice. People should come <laughs> out here. You know what? You can't get mad at a thunderstorm. It's like the most futile anger you can, you know, it's like man yell. It's literally man yells at clap. Um, but, uh, but I will say that if, if you spend any amount of time in the Newark airport, you will be angry regardless of your life circumstance. And I, I say this as someone who was going to have to make a connection from terminal B to terminal A uh, on an air train that looked like, like a disused part of a Disney people mover from the 1960s. And, I mean, that airport is awful. And, and who who knew that that uh, an airport uh, slogan could be "You wish you were at LaGuardia." That LaGuardia is actually legitimately nice now. So if you haven't been to New York in a while, that is the level of travel uh, that I have not achieved. Where it's having opinions about airports because I know that it's it's very important uh, to the people who do a lot of traveling. The only opinion I have about airports is that uh, Oakland is great. Is that it's it's small and I get in there, I'm through lines in like five minutes. Uh, but no one else should go there. Stay away from Oakland. Only I get to go to Oakland whenever I do it. <laughs> Sounds good. I will make you that deal since I live like two minutes from SFO. One thing that uh, I read that I really enjoyed was uh, your series recap where you talked to Ross Stripling uh, because he's coming back. And I really like the idea that Ross Stripling can help with this team, that he's perfectly positioned to be something that the Giants need and that he would allow us to forget that awful start. And I loved his quotes. He seems like a good quote when he's talking about uh, throwing his slider off the plate. And he's like, I knew that, dummy. And he's just making these great quotes. Is he as good of a quote as I'm reading into these? Yes, he absolutely is. A um, a healthy Ross Stripling is a good thing for the beat writers who cover this team. Um, <laughs> he's... He's funny. He he never. I mean, he gave up. He had a terrible, terrible first couple weeks as a giant. He gave up like an eight hundred foot homer to Giancarlo Stanton, and he made fun of himself for it that day. So um, he's he's definitely has the ability to be self deprecating, not take himself too seriously while still taking the job seriously. And um, yeah, very personable. Also good for stock tips. Also very good for stock tips. He's passed several uh, stockbroker exams and. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I will say that I, I am a little more invested in the AI sector now than I otherwise would be. Wow. Uh, you want stock tips for me? It's uh, freeze the, the carcass uh, from a rotisserie chicken, and then you can use that to make your own stock. That's about as deep as I go into it. Oh, and then you, you pick that thing clean, you put it in some water, you throw in a couple carrots, a celery, a potato, you got a stew going. Baby, you got a stew going. You got a stew going. Um, but I, <laughs> I do like it that... 
it seems like he's pitching with confidence. And you wrote about uh, what he was doing in, in San Jose and how he was making opposing fans mad. That's that's great stuff. Uh, but I just I like the idea that he looked at it and said, I was trying to steal strikes with my slider and that was dumb as heck. I'm not going to do that anymore. I've had time to reset. Having Ross Stripling be the pitcher the Giants thought they were getting is like a deadline deal in itself. And I don't want to make too much of it because we haven't seen him pitch. We haven't seen him not allow home runs yet. And maybe he's going to get back in there and the dingeritis hasn't gone anywhere. But the idea of a functional, weaponized Ross Stripling, I think is just like a deadline deal. And it's what the Giants need right now. Yeah, I agree. And he wants to start. He he, he made no... Um, you know, sort of, he didn't really hide that ambition that, you know, he, he thinks the team will be better off if he starts. He thinks that it's, uh, you know, the bullpen approach is working really well. They've got the depth to handle it. Um, but uh, there's really no substitute for having, you know, at least four, hopefully five starting pitchers that can give you, you know, that can you know, face at least 18 batters, 21 batters and, 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 and generate a lot of outs and, and soak up a lot of innings that way. He wants to be that guy. Um, I think he knows that he has to start you know, in that sort of hybrid long relief role. Um, but I, 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 th- I do think that he's going to uh, probably be a starter again on this team uh, this season, um, uh, so long as he's able to kind of be the pitcher that they thought they signed. Um, and I totally agree. You know, they, they, we heard it uh, left and right from Andrew Bailey, from Gabe Kapler, from everybody that, you know, it, it all really is well because once the home run rate stabilizes, uh, you're going to see different results. And, you know, Stripling was like, yeah, the pitches that were hit, those were not good pitches. They were pitches <laughs> over the plate. But 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 the, the law of probability says that some of those are going to get popped up. Some of them are going to be hard ground balls at somebody. Um, it doesn't mean I'm, I can't make better pitches and shouldn't try to make a perfect pitch every time. But, you know, you're not going to have, you know, a 1.480 OPS allowed on those pitches all the time. And that's kind of what was happening to him. So um, we've seen the home run rate stabilize with Tristan Beck. Uh, we've seen it stabilize uh, with uh, with Logan Webb and uh, obviously very, very good pitcher. Um, but uh, I think there's some reason to believe that uh, Ross Stripling could be in for some of that stabilization goodness as well. Yeah, because if you think about it, you have a very large sample of position players pitching and they don't allow home runs at that rate. You know what I mean? You've got Matt Beatty, David Villar, uh, Brandon Crawford this year alone. None of them allowed a home run and they weren't making good. Well, Brandon Crawford was, but, uh, you know, it's just position players aren't giving up a home run at that rate. So you have to expect some stabilization. Um, I I'm curious, though, if you're talking, okay, Webb, Desclafani, Alex Cobb, they're in the rotation. They're going to be doing their thing. That's a a big part of the Giants blueprint. Um, But now you've got this bucket of Alex Wood, Sean Mania, and uh, uh, Ross Stripling as, okay, maybe we can, they're starters. They're not starters. What are they? I'm curious to know why Alex Wood isn't being used more in that Sean Mania role because he's done it before with the Dodgers. He has more experience than Mania in that hybrid role. He hasn't been great shakes in the rotation lately. Is there a chance that Alex Wood and Sean Mania will flip flop? I think that, that that could happen. Yeah, um, I'm not. I think. Well, I mean, I don't want to make a big deal out of this because I don't think it's a big deal. But mm. you know, one of those guys is maybe a little more demonstrative about starting than than the other. And I think sometimes you make moves based on, you know, what's best for the team. But what's best for the team also may sometimes be not to ruffle feathers. And mm-hmm. I do think that there's probably a little bit more of a desire for Alex Wood to start 
uh, and sees himself as a starter. And they were maybe able to be a little more persuasive with, with Sean and I. And I, I, again, I, I don't want to say that 100%. Sure. I know I've talked to both those guys and, and, and they've said all the right things. Alex Wood has not been a, a not a non-team guy or a me-first guy. Uh, but uh, but he, he, I think, is along the lines of what Ross Stripling said. He feels he's best for this team if he's a starter. Mm-hmm. And um, and obviously best for himself. So, um, so I, I think that's probably... Uh, a, a fairly decent factor. I mean, a manager does have to manage people. Sure. Um, but, but and, and and if you're young and you've got options and you pitch four shutout innings and you get optioned out because they can't use you for two days, that's that that's just the breaks, man. That's just that's how the roster works and it sucks and, and you don't deserve it. But I think when you are in that zero to three range, you just know that that's gonna be the outcome. So so you don't really worry as much about how people react to that. Um, as much as you know, guys who put in their time or have ten years in the league, uh, who've, who've been part of playoff teams and and uh, and definitely have you know a, an opinion of what they may I don't want to say are entitled to, but maybe what they feel like they the, the the platform that they have and what they feel they can give to a team because they've done it they they've, they've contributed to successful teams in the past. I mean, Alex Wood is a guy who went what's I mean I know wins and losses don't matter but I mean you don't luck in going 16 and 3 like you did for the 2017 Dodgers so he's been a very successful starter in this league and and I think that um, uh, but but again you know you you make those decisions to a point and I think that if if the trends go one way for one guy and and, and go up up for one guy go down for the other guy then uh, obviously the team is going to react to that yeah and it, it there might be a, a sense of you know Alex Wood saying hey I've done that I've I've been the team guy I've been yo-yoed around uh when I was with the Dodgers and uh, I I'm done I did my time I I gave it the office and I think that's fair I think that's fair I just wonder if there is, you know, because I'm looking at Sean Manaya's line, and he he has a much better FIP uh, than ERA. He's pitching better than his ERA should indicate. But I wonder if there's just starters are such creatures of habit, and I just wonder how much this hybrid role, um, this sort of like starter in scare quotes that comes in in the second inning, how much that's affected his performance this year uh, with Stripling as well. It's just not, it, it can't be comfortable for him, no matter how, if they're saying the right things, I get that. But internally, I just wonder if this is the best use of them. Yeah, I mean, it is fair to wonder. And you look at Alex Wood and he's, you know, he's pitched 11 years. He's pitched in 250 games and, um, you know, 200 of them, or 199 have been starts. I mean, he he really hasn't been used in a sort of hybrid role. I mean, he was in um, in 2020, but that was obviously a weird season. Uh, and then you go back to 2018. He made 27 starts in, in, in 33 um, games. So he had six relief appearances. So he really has been used for the most part as, as a conventional starter, even if he's extraordinarily a, predict, a, a prescriptive starter. I mean, you'll hardly ever see him face a 19th batter. So um, I mean, just watch, watch when Gabe Kapler goes to get the baseball. It's almost always going to be after he faces the number nine hitter for the second time. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, you know he has had to buy in, even if he's being used at the start of games more conventionally. He's had to you know not uh, pitch fit when when he's uh, sort of using that prescriptive way. Um, in the case of Manaya, uh, I've been a little bit surprised that they haven't sort of extended him out a little bit more. I mean his. Mm-hmm. If you go through his game logs, he really doesn't have a whole lot of games where he's pitched. Um, I guess I, you know, it was one inning his last time out. That may have been, um, you know, that may have been just a, 
a tune-up. Or I'm thinking about the Padres series where they brought him in where it was a blowout. That may have just been a tune-up. But he has pitched three and four innings, but he's also pitched one and change a lot. So um, I don't know. I think it's very much they want him to base certain pockets of of um, of the the opposing lineup. They really want to shield him away from the teams that, that crush lefties, uh, which is why I think he didn't pitch against the Padres. Uh, and I think they're still going to be very targeted with that. And, and it, it's tough because he's going to have to, in the bursts that he gets, he's going to have to really show that he can be the best option. And that that's that's hard to do when when you you know pitch once every five days and you may only pitch you know three innings. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's switch gears and talk uh, about something that's uh, more fun to talk about because the Giants are are fun and uh, Luis Matos is fun. I like Luis Matos. Uh, When you see that he is the first or the youngest Giants outfielder to hit a home run since Jack Clark, that's just fun. That tickles me. I'm going to stop mentioning Chili Davis at some point. Yeah, uh, he's the youngest Giant overall since Matt Williams to hit a home run. And then, and then, like you said, it's been forever since the Giants had a young outfielder uh, that really excited. That's really excited the fan base. So, um, yeah, he, he's just. Uh, you can tell he's having fun. He doesn't. He looks like he's played when he catches fly balls in uh, in right field in, in Oracle Park. He went into Gregor Blanco land to make one catch. I mean, it's like it had to take a perfect straight as an arrow route to get there. Uh, it's like he's played in these ballparks before, and uh, and he's only 21. He's the second youngest position player in the major leagues, and um, you know I, I think that uh, you know they they have to be thrilled with, with the way that he's kind of you know um, made himself look so comfortable and competed so well because Mitch Haniger is going to be out a long time, and they're a little bit topsy turvy when it comes to right left balance in the outfield now. Um, even after they get Mike Yastrzemski back, uh, you know, they, they're missing him as well from the left side. But, you know, they, they signed Mitch Haniger for a reason. And uh, they need to keep Austin Slater healthy and they need Luis Matos to, to produce. They're really counting on him. This isn't something where he can give them a little spark and then, you know, basically just kind of go into a slump for a moment. 
One of the most exciting things about this roster is that uh, I think you can argue whether or not Patrick Bailey is going to hit 300 uh, over his career. You know, I would take the under on that, of course. But, you know, you can just see. Yeah, major leaguer. No doubt he's not going anywhere for a long time. He is a major league catcher. Same thing with Matos. You know, he might not. All those balls in play might not find holes for a while. He might struggle a little bit. But you are seeing. Yeah, he's a he's a major leaguer. This guy is not going anywhere. He's going to be a part. And now it feels like this wave is coming. And every subsequent addition is going to be not house money or gravy. But once you start folding in Kyle Harrison and Marco Luciano, I mean, he's been able to go under the radar and he's been hot lately in Richmond. Uh, you're going to start to see these guys and it's going to feel uh, like a, a goodness, honest to goodness wave. And then you're going to get uh, uh, the free money like Wade Meckler. Like if he starts, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll be up soon. It's it, it's a really exciting time. It's like the storyline of the season. It's the Giants youth brigade is finally, finally, after all these years, uh, it's finally going again. Yeah, no, it definitely is. So I think the, the story of the season thus far and, you know, to your point about Luciano, he got off to a really tough start in Richmond, but he's hitting the ball with some authority. Now he's got 10 homers. Uh, he's got nine doubles uh, out of his 34 hits. Uh, he's also got 29 walks to 58 strikeouts uh, in 156 at bats. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. Um, you know, he was not anywhere near that KBB ratio in the past. So uh, if, if he can start to do some of what uh, Matos has done in terms of swing decisions uh, and, and really zero in on the pitches he can punish, we know he can punish them. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if we can count on Luciano's arrival this year uh, just because there's probably isn't a place to play him right now. But um, and, and there's Tyler Fitzgerald, too, I think is another guy. If Casey Schmidt really does go uh, into a, a tailspin and he's still swinging at everything, um, they could, I think, very easily swap those two guys out at some point um, if, if uh, Fitzgerald looks like he's in a hot streak. so um, And they even are playing him in the outfield a little bit now, which may be a way that they can solve being light, uh, a right-handed bat eventually. So, um, yeah, they, they have they have other people on the way. And uh, Carson Wisenhunt could be a guy who could pitch against big league competition this year too. So um, I think there's a reason they've kept everyone's pitch counts uh, sort of down and and brought people up gradually. And, you know, most of that is development, but maybe a little piece of it is making sure guys have enough uh, throws left in their arm to contribute in September and perhaps even beyond. A friend of the pod, Roger Munter, says that Marco Luciano, uh, his defense is looking to his eyes pretty sound at shortstop and he's looking pretty good there. So I'm going to put you on the spot and it's opening day 2024. Who is the shortstop for the Giants? Uh, it's It could be Tyler Fitzgerald. It could be Casey Schmidt. It could be Tyro Estrada. It could be Marco Luciano. It's, uh, it won't be Carlos Correa. But who are you putting... <laughs> put, put a name in an envelope and, and just seal it and see if you're right. Who are you looking at in 2024? Oh, wow. Um, gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, boy. Um, it's wild well, that there are so many I, options. I mean, I, I guess you're not asking me to add to, to, to tell you who the left fielder is going to be because that would really be a crapshoot. <laughs> um, it needs to be someone different, though. It ne they need to have, like, Marco Luciano make his major league debut as the left fielder on opening day. That's just – it has to happen that way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I would say I would say Casey Schmidt is probably a decent guess. We know that he can play the position. And, in fact, I, I think he, he might have look, been looking a little bit better to me defensively as a shortstop 
Then at third base, I'm a little surprised that there were a couple of balls that have been hit. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a huge sample yet, but there are a few balls hit to his uh, his left that he's uh, dived for and hasn't been able to knock down. And I, I was a little surprised by that. But he can maybe he can play a little bit deeper with the arm he's got. But of course, you can't play too deep. You can't play on that outfield grass anymore. So um, that that's kind of a bummer for someone like him who's got the arm that he has. Um, but I yeah I, I I would say I would say Schmidt. I have no idea if if that's uh, a smart guess or not, but um, you know, he's on the roster right now and he's playing shortstop right now when Brandon Crawford isn't. So I guess that kind of gives him the inside track. Yeah, no, I was, I was just curious. I, I think the 2023 giants are probably more interesting of a topic for this podcast, but I do, I'm just not used to having so many options at different spots and trying to like the problem, the good problem of trying to, to fit in a Tyler Fitzgerald. It feels like for so many years you would see uh, the cycle, like even last year, you'd have you know, Dixon Machado and Ford Proctor and Lewis Brinson, and you'd have this revolving door of people because you needed bodies. And this year is the complete opposite, where it's Tyler Fitzgerald has completely overhauled his game and cut his strikeout rate down. And well, we just don't have a place for him. And that is, that's not what I'm used to. Yeah, no, not at all. You're used to someone getting claimed and waived and claimed and waived. And I think the Giants have made some minor trades. Um, you know, this year, uh, they, they just got, uh, what Dalton from the Phillies, mm-hmm. uh, maybe to help them balance out their outfield in AAA. Um, you know, there's been, uh, we, we saw hello, uh, to, we said hello to Darren Ruff very briefly again. <laughs> um, there's been, there's been a, a, a Matt Beatty sighting on the roster. Um, you know, there, there have been a few guys here and there, but for the most part, we have not seen the sort of madcap waiver claims. In fact, they haven't claimed a guy off waivers, I believe, all year. Um, they've, they've, they've jumped the waiver claim process to trade for a couple guys, but um, I don't think they've actually claimed anyone all year, which, which I mean, yeah, that's the sign of a healthy organization. Uh, the downside is that, you know, you have a full 40-man and you have more people uh, rising through the system who you, you want to protect and you don't have enough room to do that, and that's how you lose a Brett Wisely before he even, you know, becomes a, a rule five decision. Um, so, you know, you want to be in that position as an organization and, uh, and the giants are a heck of a lot closer to it now than, than they were certainly last year. And, and absolutely certainly in 2021 for all the success they had. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, gobsmacked by this 2022 roster I, like Mike Ford he's hit six home runs for uh, the Mariners in 50 at bats but I forgot he was ever on the Giants Kai Tom Stuart Fairchild Austin Dean Willie Calhoun my goodness and when's the last time you've looked at the 2022 roster it seems like 17 years ago uh, that would be a sporkle quiz for the ages um, I, I will say the Giants were good enough that they saw Gary Sanchez for a good month and a half and said no, 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 thanks. And he's hit seven home runs and 78 hit bats for the Padres. So, um, you know, clearly the, his, he can still hit, hit the dingers, but um, that, that's where the Giants are. They weren't so desperate that they needed to throw in a Gary Sanchez that they weren't sold on, even though he is somebody who clearly still has some major league skills. So, um, yeah, that, again, that's a good sign for the health of your organization, your overall depth. Do you have, a, I don't want to put you on the spot, uh, but do you have a, an inkling of who will need to be protected this year? I, I'm terrible at that. So I'm hoping that I don't just kill the podcast. This is where Tanika um, uh, takes Melissa Lockard's voice and she, <laughs> and she modulates it to make it sound exactly like mine. So that interview will take place later today and we will just cut and paste that in right here. 
Yeah, no, I did, I knew. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, he's not. I don't know. Like, no, nobody pays attention to that stuff except for Melissa. Well, I'll get with Melissa after this and, and try and figure out if they need to get. I, I would assume Tyler Fitzgerald should be on the roster after this season. But uh, it's a good problem to have. It's it's the Rays problem. It's it's how the Giants have ended up uh, with Joe McCarthy and uh, who else did Brett Wisely? You know, that's that's why the Rays are trading these players is because they have no space on that 40-man roster. Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. And, and um, you know, it, well, I will say this. It was the 19 draft class that had to be protected last year because, you know, the Giants didn't have to protect someone like, uh, you know, Hunter Bishop um, because he just hasn't been on the field. So it would be the 2020 class that would have to be protected, I believe, this year. Um, different for high school players as it is for college players. But I think you're going to have a Nick Swinney. You'll have uh, Ryan Murphy, uh, Jimmy Glowenke. Um, R.G. Dabovich, you know, players like that. I think I, I don't want to speak uh, without uh, knowing this 100%, but I believe those are the players that would come up um, after this season. All right. This has been episode 236 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back next week and we'll see if the Giants have kept their winning ways going. We'll see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.